0: Welcome to the Web3 Business Podcast, helping you navigate the future of business. And now, here is your host, Michael Stelzner.
1: Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Web3 Business Podcast, brought to you by Social Media Examiner. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for innovative thinkers who want to know what works in the world of Web3. Today, I'm going to be joined by Evan Luza. And he is the co-founder of Cool Cats, and we're going to explore how that whole popular NFT project was born, and a lot of the business lessons that came as a result of it. If you are creative at all, and you are wondering how in the world do I actually build a collection, I think you're going to find this discussion absolutely fascinating. By the way, I'm at Mike underscore Stelzner on Twitter and at Web3 Examiner on Warpcast. And if you're new to this podcast, and you haven't already done so, be sure to click the follow button in your favorite podcast app so that you automatically get all of our future content loaded right into your podcast player. AI has been a massive disruptive force over the past year. That's why we're excited to announce our brand new show, Introducing AI Explored. It's a weekly show hosted by me, Michael Stelzner. If you want to understand how to put AI to work, this is the show for you. Each week, we'll dive deep into using AI to your advantage. We're talking the practical, tactical stuff that I know you're probably craving. Search for AI Explored on your favorite podcast app and happy listening. Let's transition over to this week's interview with Evan Luza.
0: Helping you to simplify your Web3 journey. Here is this week's expert guide.
1: Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Evan Luza. If you don't know who Evan is, you got to know Evan. He is the co-founder of Alpha Labs, a studio that launches Web3 products. He's also the co-founder of Cool Cats and the creator of the Ghost Boy NFT collection. Evan, welcome to the show. How are you doing today?
0: Good to be here. Good to be had, you know, from the metaverse to here. Yeah,
1: I am super excited to have you today. Evan and I are going to explore what it takes to build a sustainable community with NFTs. But before we go there, Evan, I would love to hear your story. How'd you get into NFTs? How'd you get into Web three? Start wherever you want to start. The year was
0: eighteen No, fifty four. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I was in. A, I was working at Microsoft back in twenty seventeen, and a friend of mine started to introduce me to like Ethereum and Chainlink at the time, and just in cryptocurrency in general. And as a as a native collector and in technology enthusiast, I was intrigued. I didn't necessarily like understand, but then. We started talking through like the use cases of, you know, uh, interoperability and and transparency in the blockchain and tracking and how the implications for implementation. So that that intrigued me. So I had been a, a crypto native since 2017. And then a few years after, I think in 2019, maybe I started working at uh, Bitcoin.com and I, I did the rebranding over there. So I was very very deeply entrenched in the- What
1: is Bitcoin.com for those that don't know what that is?
0: So Bitcoin.com is owned and led by Roger Ver. He, some people call him Bitcoin Jesus. He, he he perpetuates a Bitcoin Cash or BCH and their whole, the, Bitcoin.com, the website is mostly like a, a news source and a mobile app that they have for a mobile wallet for Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash. But their whole vision is just to perpetuate the adoption and implementation of Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash. So I was deeply entrenched with the nerds the whole time. But it's great because I think in both NFTs and crypto, I think the recurring conversation that is brought up often is like user experience and usability, and how and how visually appealing and accessible and easy to use a lot of these products and brands are. Because so much of these of this tech, whether it's blockchain and Bitcoin or NFT and Web threes, it's it comes from this place that's like deeply technological understanding. But then when it's brought to market or for, you know, for normies, it's like, oh, it's easy. Here's this 20 step process that if you mess up any step along the way, like you might lose all your crypto. But like, come on in. So I was fighting the good fight of trying to make the brand more accessible and and relatable and and palatable. So that's that's what Bitcoin.com is all about. Yeah. And
1: we probably should mention that you have a background in design, right? So were you, were you working in the creative department for them or what were you doing for those guys?
0: Yeah. So, uh, and I'll, I'll do a little bit of jumping back and forth. So my background's in design. I went to design school in Georgia state and in, in Atlanta, and that's where I met Klon actually, who's the creator of uh, blue cat. I was a year above him, but yeah. So, you know, I went to art school, I went to design school, I have a background in, in branding and, and marketing and just synthesizing, you know, visual communication. So that was just right up my alley. You know to to work over there
1: yeah so keep going like so somewhere along the line you guys decided to launch this cool cats collection when was that yeah
0: so i left bitcoin.com i was working for this cloud company outside of they're out of australia they're called megaport i was a senior senior brand designer over there that was cool that was interesting it's it's really interesting working on time zones where they're like eight to twelve hours ahead of you because but that's a whole other thing but anyways they say luck is when preparation meets opportunity so I was probably a year to two years in at Megaport as, as my senior brand designer role. And then uh, through crypto Twitter, or or I don't even know what the news source was, but, you know, the Bored Apes started minting and, and the apes are in the feed and people, it, it, this was like the first, I think CryptoPunks is sort of like the OG. I would, I would equate CryptoPunks to like the Bitcoin of NFTs, like they're the, the first ones to do it. And I think for the most part, I think the, the general space would agree that Bored Apes were sort of like... The the first ones after that that were just like Ethereum is the cooler younger brother than Bitcoin, like uh, Bored apes were sort of the cooler younger cousin than from uh, CryptoPunk. So I, I saw the apes mint, and as a as someone who got in the space in 2017, who saw the the stickiness and the implication, the potential upside, in crypto, I was I saw this happen right in front of me, and I'm like, okay, I don't I don't necessarily innately understand why everyone's freaking out about. You know these these illustrations of these these monkeys. Like the art's pretty cool, and I'm just beginning to wrap my head around like the tokenization because because my my traditional crypto brain is like cryptocurrency, cryptocurrency, cryptocurrency. So the second you you have to sort of like divorce yourself from that ideology of like. So now these tokens have pictures attached to them, and like there's very different supplies, and there's like these utilities and this and that. So. I saw the apes mint and the the curious collector in me. You know, I was I was raised off of Yu Gi Oh and Pokemon cards and trading and and collectibles. So there was something in me that was like, this is a thing. Like I don't I don't necessarily know how it's going to play out or how sticky it's going to be, but there's something here. I didn't mint an ape, unfortunately, because I was I, I still didn't really understand. But that to me validated the market opportunity to why don't I try to launch an NFT collection? So. After seeing Bored Apes, I, I had the idea of like, okay, you know, I'm an entrepreneur. I, I know the tech well enough that I can I can figure out a, a, a cool brand, a cool offering and, and a nice product that looks enticing to, to users because my background's in design and branding and illustration. So like, I know how to make a thing that looks good that people want. So I had the idea to come up with Sushi Pets, which was these, and I'll send you like some pictures later so you can drop it on the screen or something. Um, But there are these anthropomorphized little cute sushi characters. So I lived in Japan. So I was around when I was working at Bitcoin.com, I lived in Japan. So I was around a lot of this like kawaii, plush, cute, just like anything, a bowl of ramen or a bubble gum, like just put a cute face on it. It's like, and it just, it's cute. It feels good. So I was like, all right, let me come up with sushi pets. It'll be this like Pokemon pixelated influence thing. I started scaling the brand. I was working with a pixel artist. I got the Twitter parked. All I needed really was a Solidity de- developer. And then I, I was also needing some design help. So I reached out to Klon, who was at the time, he was doing motion graphics. And in the Twitter space, in the feed, a lot of the a lot of the content that was out there was more mostly like static imagery. And I was like, I think what would be most captivating and enticing is if we get some like animated gifs and animated content advertising sushi pets. So... I reached out to Klon. We were like, you know, best buds back in the day, but he 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 was not into crypto. He didn't know the difference between, you know, a, a real chain and the blockchain. So like I sort of sat him down. I was like, all right, here's the market opportunity. This is Bitcoin. This is Ethereum. These are NFTs. Here's these monkeys. Here's what I see. Like, I'm trying to do this thing. Do you want to help me do this? So it started to click with him. And, and it was like, you know, we we were compadres in arms and uh, we 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 fought the fight together. So we were both building the, the sushi pets brand. We had all the assets, the renders was working with a 3D artist to make these cool holographic cards. It was 90% there. Like everything was looking really crispy. And at this point in time, back in 2020, maybe 2021, there was not an abundance of solidity devs. It was very, it was slim pickings, like it was a very new and emerging market, and it's not, it's not oversaturated in a good way at, like it is today. So you're sort of just out there on, you know, Fiverr or Upwork or Twitter being like, is anyone a Solidity developer? And it's just like crickets, you know, they're like, oh, my friend's cousin's friend is. And you're like, and it's just, you can't find it. You couldn't find it. So we found one guy through a friend of a friend who was a Solidity dev who was going to do the smart contract for us. And and at this point in time, if you could, if you could connect a smart contract to a button on the front end of a website, like, that's very impressive because the only people who had done that previously was like, Board apes and maybe a handful of other projects that no one's ever heard of. So we had the the missing piece that we needed, but then of course, in 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 a typical crypto fashion, he I don't want to say he rugged us, but the dev was like, uh, I like I'm I'm not really interested in this anymore. I'm gonna do this other thing. So me and Kwan had just put our blood, sweat, and tears synthesizing this brand that like looks really good. It's it's nice on the eyes. It, It made sense to us in a lot of ways, but we didn't have the missing piece to to get it over the line. So we're very slumped because like we we're artists we have we're like tech generalists but we're not specialized in that way so we didn't we can't just learn solidity like we're just you know overwhelmed with that so we're pretty bummed about it and then um I think it, it's it's funny because I'm the one who introduced Kwan to like you know crypto Twitter and, and web3 and all this and then he ended up finding in his feed a project called faticorns which was it's like a you know fat unicorns and they're these pixelated little fat unicorns we join the discord. We're probably like, you know, 10 people in there. We were probably like the, you know, the second or third in there. It's like, n- there's not much activity going on in the space. So we reached out to those devs who happened to be the other co-founders of what would be cool cats after, which was Tom and Link. And we're like, Hey guys, first of all, like the collection looks great. The website, because their minting experience was really cool. It was a really well-designed website. It felt very like Nintendo-esque and it actually worked. You could hit the button and, and the thing minted. And we're like, these guys made the thing. We need these guys. So we reached out to them and we're like, "Hey, here's what we've done. Here's Sushi Pets. It's 90% there. We just need the last 10% from like the the tech side of things to just get this over the finish line if you guys could help us." So they were they were into it for the most part. But
1: let me guess, they didn't like sushi.
0: No, 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 <laughs> not, not 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 quite. That would've been a that would've been a, I'll have to tell the story that way. <laughs> but I, I they wanted to be more equal collaborators for what we were delivering or what we wanted to deliver. So they're like, "Since you guys got it 90% there. How about we sort of go back to the drawing board and with a fresh set of eyes, like how can we all sort of collaborate together and equal parts launch a new thing? So it was a like, okay, let's put Sushi Pets on ice. We at least have some collaborators and partners now that we can work with to actually deliver something. So it was it was a new challenge, but it was refreshing in that way. So the task at hand was for me and Klon are thinking like, so what do, what's the thing then? You know, Sushi Pets doesn't exist anymore. Let's just not think about that you know, Board Apes is this generated PFP collection where it's like, you know, a similar character and it's stylized a bunch of different ways. So, we're just thinking through this. And then Klon had the epiphany because he he was just sitting on his couch. And just for some context about Klon, he had been previously going by the moniker, the cartoonist, which is a playoff of the cartoonist. So, he had his character, Blue Cat, that you see here, for probably since like Beginning since like 2015, 2016, maybe before, give or take. So, anyways, he had been working on this character, and he had a poster of Blue Cat on his wall. This is before PFPs, before NFTs, and it was Blue Cat in a bunch of different. And I'll send you this picture later as well. It's Blue Cat in a bunch of different outfits. You know, like a ninja, a pirate, dressed up as a dog, dressed up as this, as this. So he's sitting on his couch, looking at his poster, and he's like, "Wait a second! Like Blue Cat, let's bring Blue Cat to the blockchain." So it was just, it was just one of these, like, "Aha! Like, of course it was." It was looking at us the whole time kind of thing so that's how it started we we worked together so he's he's the illustrator and the artist behind blue cap but we worked together on the brand and coming up with the assets and he's also colorblind which is ironic as an artist because you know so many times he's like is this wow. pink or is that and I'm like no this is the like the, let's use that color so okay we ended up making the collection and then Tom and link Link's background is he's a he's a really kickass uh, front-end developer so you give him a, a mock-up for a website and, and a page and he'll just make it in a day. And it's like incredible. And Tom's like a whiz with uh, smart contracts and solidity. So we just had like everyone, you know, I was holding down marketing and branding Clon was on the art, those guys. So it was, we were all like working simpatico and it was great. So we launched the collection. And at this point in time, there was no, there was a significantly more speculation in the space than there was like demand. You know, I think that, we sort of caught the market at, at this really opportune time where we took what we perceived to be like a, a really original, authentic idea, which was Cool Cats, which was sort of a, a healthy mix between cute and cool in a space that that didn't really exist yet. You know, if you if you look uh, historically at Cryptoland, I think a lot of it has this sort of like undertone of like degen vibes where it's like basement dweller, like anonymous, sort of like, you know, on the fringes and Blue Cat is very... Like he is you, Blue Cat is Klon. He's he's relatable. He's emotional. He has he has feelings. He's your kid might like him. So we we introduced this like cute, cool aesthetic to the market, and it it stuck, you know. And I, I think that if it weren't for Cool Cats, I think a lot of collections that exist in their current form today wouldn't wouldn't exist or look look how they do. So
1: that's really cool. Yeah, and we're go- we're gonna get back to the launch in just a minute, and it's a fascinating story. We'll get into a lot more into it in just a minute, but you know, ten thousand collection right is that how many nine
0: nine 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 because okay. cats have nine lives so that
1: was you know so one shy of a 10k collection yeah, yeah yeah and we're going to get into this a little bit and i love the backstory it's fascinating how many people start with they think it's going to be this and it ends up oh being, man. ends yeah. up being something totally different there are people listening right now creators entrepreneurs and marketers that are skeptical perhaps as to why they should consider launching an nft collection. And I would love you to speak to them as to why this is something that maybe they ought to consider.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting because the web three space is so undefined and lawless, but it's, it's a, it's a double-edged sword because there are no rules. And because it's unknown, there's a lot of opportunity for like exponential growth and stickiness, but in that same vein, there's also equal parts speculation. So as someone I'm, I'm overly, you know, ambitious and eager that bullish on the I think the space is has much more potential. And I think the trajectory of media as we know it is going to become increasingly more tokenized. So for me, I think what's particularly interesting and captivating about why, why Web 2, Web 2.5 or pre Web 3 company might want to even introduce into NFTs is because I think the opportunity at hands that presents itself within the NFT space is it created this more bi-directional sense of your holders, your community feel significantly more entitled in some ways, which can be a good and a bad thing, but it, it also results into a lot more of an authentic and real and and deeply rich connection. So like, you know, pre-Web3, pre-NFTs, you're on Twitter and Instagram and you're following a brand and they're sort of trickling content to you that's like, it's it's one directional, you know, it's like they're they're letting you know what it is and you're consuming it but from the advent of nfts and web3 it's this new sort of uh, platform where the brand does something or the the collection does something and the community is like well what about this how about this did we consider this and you know sometimes it's a lot of noise but other times it's very like live feedback and it's sort of you have this captured captivated audience who's saying hey i'll be more interested in what you're making if you consider this thing, or how did you arrive here? So it's, it's a, it's a much more like collaborative um, down from like the brand to the, the community sense, which can be, you know, you have to have your own expectations of managing that. And, you know, everyone's got an opinion that doesn't mean everyone has a good, good opinion, but I think the, it's this next wave of, of belonging. And I think like consumer um, engagement, I feel because it's, it's, it's much more, it feels much more sincere. You feel much more seen and heard. And I think that's why people identify with PFPs in the first place, because they feel like they belong in this community. I can express my opinion in this community. I might be able to even have direct access to a founder in this community and let them know my pains or, or frustrations or happiness or, or ideas. So it feels like a much more collaborative amoeba of um, just like the latest wave of, of, of media, if you will.
1: Yeah. Talk to us about the collector mindset too, right? Because obviously you experienced a little bit of this when you were over in Japan, like maybe not
0: everybody understands this concept. Yeah. I mean, it's, humans have been collecting since the dawn of time, you know, rocks, stamps, coins, Beanie Babies, like it's just, it's so to me, it's just sort of a no brainer, like technology is only increasingly becoming more and more robust and relevant. Everyone's got a smart computer in their pocket any, at any point in time, like, and, and also this day and age is, is so like to go to Spotify or Facebook or Amazon or wherever, and you have a hundred different accounts for everything. Whereas the advent of uh, like crypto and MetaMask, it's like one wallet to rule them all. You know, you have this one, you connect once, and you have access to all these things. So, yeah, that might have derailed from the the collector thing. But I think I think natively people people want to collect just because they it's like an individuality. It's a it's a it's an identity thing. You know, you don't we all don't want to rock the same profile picture or have the same car or have the same shirt. You know, it's like. It's, it's how to choose to represent ourselves. And those things that represent ourselves are tethered to a community that also stands for other things as well. So it's this very like amorphous, robust ecosystem, I think.
1: Okay, I got a couple of shotgun questions and then I want to dig in on some stuff. Um, when did you actually launch and how much was the, the NFT when you launched?
0: It's all a blur. I think it was July 2021, which is like a year and... Maybe a year and a half ago, maybe right, That's
1: right around when vFriends launched, I would imagine, right? It, it could have been. And
0: that's the crazy thing too, is like you, it's so easy to just get so laser focused, locked in on what you're doing that you can't, like, you can't be everywhere all at once. You know, there's so many people come up to me and they're like, oh, did you see this collection? You see? I'm like, I dude, I'm just cool cats. Like,
1: So how much was it? Do you remember what the So
0: we, we started the mint at 0.06 ETH and we minted a couple hundred out you know, there's rumblings through Twitter and our discord starts filling up. And then the people are like, guys, if you drop this to 0.02, I think it was, or 0.025, maybe 0.02, this thing's going to sell out. So we had just put all these weeks and months work into getting this thing right down to the smart contract. We opened the gates and then all of a sudden it's just like, let's make changes. And it's just like, ah, like nothing is easy. So Tom had to retreat, you know, we're, we're, and at this point in time, it's, we're, it's like a hundred people in discord voice chat, just being like, oh my God, I just reeled this cat. It's like, ah, just, it's like a, a high school varsity football final game or something. People are just like, endorphins are going crazy. People are just like, well, this cat, oh my God, there's no rules. This is like an undefined land. So we knocked the mint price down from 06 to 02. And then we, we minted out over the course of like maybe the next like six hours. And we didn't anticipate like in the best case scenario we minted it out and then we would figure out what's next but people fell in love with with the cats and people fell in love with Klon's story and the the underdog story of not only did he have this character that existed before NFTs he never gave up on them and he, he he's talked about before like you know as an artist you have those struggles of it's hard to create sometimes when there's you feel like underappreciated or or undervalued but it was sort of this like you know adrenaline stimulus boost to his his passion and and creativity as an artist that like revalidated this demand for this character that he had been working on so it was very very invigorating but then we were playing catch up of like well, what do we do with the brand now like we didn't remotely expect to have any of this Traction that we we ended up having.
1: Yeah, so let's zoom in some of the story here. So it was the summer of 2021, let's say July ish. July, yeah. Ethereum was like 3,700 bucks back then. When you brought it down to 0.025, that's about 100 US dollars, which was the secret price point. It seems to really kind of sell this thing out. But what I want to know is like, what was your guys' launch plan? Like you said you have a background in marketing, right? And just bring me into like the room where the four of you guys are brainstorming how we're going to do this. I mean,
0: yeah, it was, it was a catch 22 because like, it's difficult to try to synthesize and materialize what would then be referred to as like a roadmap when you're like, we might bake this thing and try to sell the cake at the sale. And like, no one cares. So it's, it's, you don't, you don't want to preemptively put all this brain power of like, okay, we're going to sell out, and then when the money raises, we're going to do this and this. So it was this sort of like real time, like, oh my god, we sold out. Like, uh, what do we do next? So you weren't but, even
1: planning to sell it, is what you're saying? Because you sold you sold a hundred originally. So does that mean your original plan was? off and you realized it was too expensive or what was the deal? On no,
0: that? we so, we sold a few hundred and then, and that's a whole other pain in the ass because since we dropped the mint price, we had to then retroactively give the people who did mint at 06, we had to drop them free cats. And it was just like, ah. just a tracking nightmare. So like we did it, we did it right by everybody, but it was just like, oh my God, like it, wallet tracking and this and that. But that's sort of the the beauty of the Web3 space is it can lend itself to you in a way where the spotlight shines on you and you have the opportunity to like build this, this mock speed flying spaceship in real time, transparently. And people are like, I'm rooting for you, but also what, are, what's the next move? And you're sort of like, it's great that you guys like us, but like help us figure out what you guys would like to see, you know, like the, the sort of the safe stepping stones are, are merch, your discord town halls to to sort of get feedback, of what people would like to see and, and what people would like from the brand. But it's sort of this like minting out a project is the, the validation. And then upon that, it's this like incubation phase to some degree of, okay, like how would you guys like to see the scaled out? And also we had to use our own diligent due diligence as a, you know, as branding and, and, and marketing guys and design guys of like, we don't want to make a thing we're not passionate about, you know, like not, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily make sense to put blue cat on, something that we're, we're not into. So we started thinking about like a game or animated content or, you know, what's the next trajectory? What's the, we sort of had to like reverse engineer the, how do we, how do we scale the brand? How do we reach as mass audience as we, as we possibly can? So it's, it's this, this dichotomy of, as we're getting awareness, we're then getting more um, intrigue from external parties who have money or have, you know, want to be involved, want to join the team. It's like, we're doing a CEO now, like we have money. Let's, Actually, scale and grow this thing. So it's the sort of like real-time collaborative experience and defining your market fit. It's it's goofy because it's like and it's but that's what makes the Web three space so beautiful. Is uh, I think historically you like validate an idea, find product market fit, and you know it's it's more sequential. But here in the metaverse and Web three land and whatever you want to call it, there's new rules every week, every month. There's new protocols, new implications, new mechanics. There's just like Oh, this is a new ingredient in the mix. This one doesn't exist anymore.
1: Yeah. So, a couple of quick questions. I was just running some back of the napkin math on this. Today, there's about fifty five hundred holders in this nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine community. I don't know. I'm guessing back then people bought multiples because it was not that expensive, right? So, my, my guess is you had a you had thousands of people that were inside the community.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, the Discord's got like over 100,000 people in it still.
1: So how did you guys even get to the point in the beginning to get that many? Did the project just kind of take off because there wasn't a lot of projects back there? It's,
0: It's like, okay, when you look at Hello Kitty, right? Whether you are into Japanese animation or cute things, you look at a character like Hello Kitty or Pikachu, and you're just like, something's here. Like, I don't, you don't even need to be an art appreciator or connoisseur. And you're just like, there's something behind this. And I think obviously I'm biased because I'm artist and I'm, you know, I'm just passionate about pixels. But I think that the fact that Klon has like a piece of his soul and has spent so many years of blood, sweat and tears synthesizing this character that's actually him. I think a lot of people saw the cats for the first time and they're like, yes, this is art, but like, this is like a very personal embodiment interpretation, synthesization of, of someone's like life work, you know, like this is, that's at least how, how I think it, it connected with a lot of people. And Back to what I was saying previously, too. Like the the crypto space as a whole had historically been more of a anonymous gen. Like we don't do cute and cool over here. Like this is this is crypto. Like crypto, you know. And I think we we brought this thing. We're like, listen, we can still be on the blockchain, and we can also be cute and cool and be nice to each other. Like how's that? So it's 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 like who wants a slice of this pie? Like it's delicious. So it was very it was it was hard not to like fall in love with. I think it was just it was yeah. very sticky in that way.
1: So you guys minted it out it, according to my math, you probably made just shy of a million dollars on the mint. And after the mint was successful and you realized this thing was starting to like go up in price, what was the discussion from a business perspective? Like you mentioned, should we hire a CEO? Like it sounds like this was exactly what you had hoped it would be right this was really successful and it was going places like at what point did you decide okay we got to figure out how to make a business out of this thing
0: yeah so i mean i think because we lowered the mint price it was more like 400 ish k. oh really okay okay yeah but then also royalties were were good at that time too because because the volume was volume was booming so yeah we it, it was just this case of like all right we we did this thing none of us have like business executive experience before as much as as much as we were like, yeah, let's try, like, give it the call a try. It was, it was a sort of like, let's take a step back and like we need a team. Like we had been just busting our, our butts and like not, not sleeping, not you know, just locked in. We're like, this is not sustainable. Like, yes, we made a good chunk of money that we can do something with, but we need to we need to get the right, right folks in the mix. So we toyed with the idea of whether we were gonna accept some venture money, whether we were gonna do it ourselves. So we ended up accepting uh, some venture money, which gave us the treasury enough to be able to bring on a proper team. And then that was a struggle within of itself, too, because we we firsthand experienced the scaling too fast. You know, it's just like we need this. We need this. We need this. We need this. You, you get a mop. You get a mop. You get a mop. Just like all hands on deck. Go, 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 go. And then as time goes, we're like, OK, well, there's too many people here and, and not enough like syncopation we're not all swimming in the same direction how many
1: people did y'all hire with that money we yeah. had
0: at one point in time i think we had like 32 oh wow Okay. yeah and, and it was like we had just been born you know and it's it's all we're just like freestyling in real time this like go-to-market strategy you know like we're just like oh what about a project person like oh we need this community person oh what about and it's like okay sure yeah And then it was just also go, 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 go. Can you talk to us a little bit about the pros and cons of uh, taking
1: venture capital?
0: Yeah. I mean, on the one hand, you have additional resources, but then, um, man, it's, there's no right or wrong answer. It's like, I think that if you, you don't, I don't think anyone needs to take venture money if you have your own funding and you have a well-designed bespoke trajectory of how you would like to execute and follow and plan against However, I think venture money, if it's also tethered to additional insight and resources. So like where we took our venture money from, it came from a background where these guys know how to scale. These guys have touched World of Warcraft. These guys have touched brands that have, you know, IPO'd. So they have this track record and, and continuity. And like, they're not in the interest of placing any bets that they don't think that there's significant or potential upside. So I think it it a lot of it boils down to like, it's not even a confidence thing. It's like how qualified and capable are you with your yourself or with your own team to like thread the needle and get it to where it needs to be? Or are there people who are specialized, whether they're advisors or have business background or whatever, who are just like, I can pick up the phone and talk to XYZ and like we'll just get this plugged in right now. So I think it's a it depends, you know, it's a it's a it's a whole big old variable, but it, it made sense for us and you know, I, I don't think we would have done it. A different way because of the the venture guys being involved, you know, we managed to secure a, a partnership with animocha last year. We just announced this um, futureverse partnership as well. Our current CEO, he he came from Disney. So he's got the whole uh Rolodex of of connections up his sleeve as well. So I think if we were to do this by ourselves, and it's not to say, you know, we've we've seen plenty of collections out there as well too that start scrappy and they they end up just hitting all the right moves along the way. And then boom, they're you know, Nike buys them or, or something like that. So it's it's a, it's just, I think it's all boils down to the mitigation of like your risk tolerance and like how, how much workload do you want to attempt to sustain yourself versus how much additional insight and, you know, reinforcement are you, would you rather have to help you move the ball, you know?
1: Yeah, and uh, before I get to my next question, I should have disclosed earlier that I do own two cool cats. There we go. Which I really like. I want to talk about the community side of it obviously you mentioned already, you got this massive community, right? So let's talk about like whatever you can about how you built that community and how you kept the community kind of engaged because, you know, you kind of hinted that there's some challenges, but you don't just get a hundred thousand people in a discord group overnight.
0: Yeah. 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 I mean, so a lot of it's, it's sort of cheesy to say, but in some ways the community builds itself. So like from the marketing perspective, it's our job to present the brand in this way. That's like, here's what we stand for. Cool Cats is inclusive and accessible. It's not It's not exclusive and supreme type of, you know, like you have to have a yacht to join. It's very like, come one, come all, you know, like join our discord, whether you have a cat or not. So I think because of our word choice and our brand positioning, we were significantly more like inviting in that way. And the beautiful thing about the Web3 space is a lot of the, the I would say the majority of folks in here are, are builders and innovators and artists and collaborators, and, and they want to make things. So like you'll see awesome fan art or or people will just join the community and be like, I build apps. How can I build an app? Like, I love this project. You know, my daughter loves the, my cat. She she made these cupcakes in there. So it, it's just this like symbiotic circle of we get more vigor and enthusiasm because we do these challenges of like community fan art or, you know, DIY cool cat stuff. And people will make a custom toy or like a book or or anything. And and people are just increasingly impressed by like, you guys did this. This came from this community. I want to be part of this community. So it's like this, it's sort of like, like Boy Scouts in some way, like the ideology of it, I think it's like, you have certain values that you stand for and that are perpetuated. And those values are very enticing to people that that makes them want to continue to contribute to it. And then there's also the other side of it as well, where people are like, I'm in it for the art, but then the, the people just want to make, make money flipping Flipping things, which anything that's uh, related to crypto is always going to be tethered to the opportunists, which isn't isn't right or wrong. It's just sort of like you're going to have people who are in it for the financial incentives. And, you know, that's uh, they're part of the community, but they're not as they're not as like fundamental, I think, to the thread of the community of what really makes makes the community what it is. You
1: mentioned that a lot of people in the community would take the cats and do fun stuff with them. What did you guys do as far as IP rights and stuff like that? How did you manage that? Yeah, we have
0: non-exclusive IP rights. So if you go to the coolcatsnft.com and one of the tabs down there, you can read it. But so if you have your cat, you can apply it to I I think things like merch and produce it. I think I'm not sure if you can sell it or not. Maybe you can. You have to read the really long lawyer written document there. But basically what non-exclusive rights means that if we were to do a game or an animated series, we can put your cat in there because we we have access to all the rights of whatever. But if you want to do something, you can only use the cat that, that you own. But that's that's just a way for us to preserve the continuity of the brand because like these are all assets that that we made. So we wanna have the freedom and liberty to, you know, shotgun blast all of them to the world with no limitations because that's That's more conducive to, I think, spreading to the masses.
1: Did you guys, when you started, did you have a campaign to actively promote this thing on Twitter to get people into the Discord in the first place?
0: No, it was, we're all organic. We had no like influencer, but the way that Twitter is really interesting. And it's also strange and frustrating because Twitter has been evolving in real time since like, you know, Elon's bought it. So things, things change, the meta changes, but you know, you can do giveaways of giving away an NFT or you do an artist contest. You say... Who who makes the best meme or who makes the best art or who who does the best song on this thing? And then that you create these like marketing opportunity campaigns and those just like percolate like crazy because the Web3 space is pretty tiny relatively. So if you're giving away value for free or for like, you know, the parameters are give me one hour's worth of creative work from you and you might get this asset that's worth, you know, 50, 100, $10,000 or something, People people are into that. And it doesn't hurt that they like the art that they're, that they're trying to make content for. So things like that, yeah.
1: So coming back to the community, it certainly seems as if the community is at the core of the reason why Cool Cats has really taken off, right? I mean, you've got the art, combine with the community, right? So the community, people are buying the art, they're loving the art, and then they're changing their profile picture, right? Into the cool cat. Like I know one of the guys that's been on the show, Thomas Pan, he has a cool cat with an apple. That is his online Twitter profile. Yeah. Yeah. But And you're encouraging people through activities and stuff to do fun stuff online with the cats, which I think is really interesting. There's this flip side that you kind of hinted to, right? Which is sometimes there's parts of people in the community that are in there for financial reasons, right? And there's other people in there that aren't, but still have expectations. So how did you guys manage all this mass amount of expectations that were coming flying at you?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think a lot of it is level setting and being as transparent as you possibly can be along the way. It's tough because everyone, not everyone, but a lot of people are often inclined to sort of push as hard as they can because you're behind the screen and you never meet these people and you're behind the PFP. So you might be like, how much money did you guys make? Well, like, what's your social security number? How can I track you? And it's just like, dude, like this, like what? You don't need this much information. So yeah, I think being transparent as you can be through the process and also having a, a constant line of communication of, so like we, we rolled out uh, cool pets was like, which was the second drop of cool cats. And it had it had its successes. You know, we sold out and we made this gamified interactive web portal that was built on top of Polygon that was a whole technical undertaking and feat within of itself. However, in retrospect and hindsight, there's multiple instances and opportunities in which we could have positioned preemptively of like, hey, here's what we're planning to bring to the market. Here's what we're thinking. Is there the demand that we perceive there actually validated from you guys? So not to say that your decisions as a business should be totally dictated by the community, but I think there's this expectation now, especially if you want to succeed in the web three land is having this open line of communication of like, here's what we're thinking about doing. And I, and you see more and more company or brands do this in the web three space of sometimes they will do this drop that is unbeknownst to anyone. But a lot of times they'll say, Hey, we're now working on this thing and it's either well-received or, or the, the community like looks at each other and just like, why are you doing that thing? And they're like, that's a good ass question. Maybe we shouldn't do that thing. It's a healthy balance of letting the community know what you're up to and what the trajectory and what the plans are. In addition to be being open to feedback along the way so
1: yeah and it's fascinating because obviously for example i'm a Moonbirds holder and you know i've had amanda gadbao on the show who's the lead community manager over there and you know they made some mistakes by not being fully transparent about what they were doing and then they got a lot of pushback from the community and but they've learned their lesson right and now they're building more in public trying to be more transparent but also trying to have a layer of mystique right because i think some of the best collections and Cool Cats has recently done this with their journeys, right? With, with the journey, you don't exactly know what's going on, but you know, there's something exciting going on. So maybe you can talk a little bit about threading the line between. Yeah.
0: And yeah, so to that point, like, I think like speculation is this like very wonderful, magical rainbow enchanted word in the space where it's it's ironic because some of the time it's almost as if people want to know that there is a cake being baked but they don't want to know what it looks like or when it's time to give them a slice they're like this is it you know so but on the inverse you don't want to just be like soon this thing is coming soon it's going to change the world it's going to change lives it's going to change. and you and you're just like mad ambiguous with it you don't want to do that i think the, the healthy cadence is like we're working on this thing here's a couple of highlights of of what's going on and then as a as a brand you can sort of synthesize like users speculative sentiment, because sometimes you'll hint at something and then people are just like red flag won't like this next thing. And you say, Hey, we heard you guys. We're actually modifying the cake that we're baking. So don't worry about it. So I think it's, it's a healthy balance of being as transparent as you possibly can about what you're incubating and what you're up to without giving away the full recipe, but also having like a, an ear to the street and ear on the pulse with that helping inform you that like, is there demand for this cake that we're baking? Do we think people are going to like it? okay, cool. Let's keep baking it. And that's the, that's like the, the, the healthy cadence you want to manage, but because, but you know, everyone like teasers and teasing what's to come is, you know, since the dawn of time, whether it's Apple or Coca-Cola, like, you know, they're just like, this thing's coming soon. Like people like that. People like to have something to look forward to. And you don't, You don't want to just demystify the whole thing by saying, Hey, this is coming out next week. This is exactly what it looks like. You know, see you next week.
1: Yeah. I mean, the power of anticipation is perhaps one of the best marketing vehicles there is, is it gives people reason to like have hope that, that the collection is evolving. Right. And that there's, there's a reason why they made this investment in the first place. So you decided to launch another project called ghost boy. Tell us what you decided to do differently on this project based on what you learned. <laughs> for those that are uh, listening, Ghost, why don't you describe visually what it is for the audio podcast people?
0: Yeah. So Ghost Boy is a character that I came up with back in like, I don't know, end of end of high school, 2015, 2016. He's this amorphous gloop sort of blue ethereal character with the face of a skull mask. And uh, Ghost Boy is synthesized for me. I've always had a fear of death. I've always, it's just petrified me. I probably think about it three to five times a week. I just can't. It can't, no living person can tell you what death is like. And it just, it petrifies me. The concept, it just keeps me up at night. So as an artist and as a creator and as someone who loves to create, I I landed on creating this character called Ghost Boy in an effort to leave a piece of me behind. So when I die one day, I'll at least have made this thing that has a piece of me in it. So it's sort of like art is eternal, art is immortal. The thing with Ghost Boy is what's immortal can never die. I've since launched the collection on the blockchain. So he's immortalized forever. So there we go. So Ghost Boy is a, this character to me that represents um, creativity and expression and an effort to leave an impact and leave something behind from yourself, you know, before before the Grim Reaper comes knocking for us all.
1: Awesome. Congratulations on launching that second project. So looking into the future, given the path that you guys have been down, you know, you were one of the earlier successful projects in the NFT world. And we're recording this almost two years later from when you guys launched. Where do you see things going in the next few years?
0: Oh, just like the trajectory of, of like Web3 crypto land as a whole?
1: Yeah. What's your thoughts on kind of where you see it all heading?
0: Yeah, I think it's interesting because like at the beginning of our conversation, when I was saying how, um you know, back, <laughs> it's like back in the day, aka a year and a half ago, you know, it's like just <laughs> crazy. You know, there, there's a handful of Solidity devs. It's not, whereas now the the problem has sort of flipped itself. Now there's an oversaturation of builders, but it's sort of like what should be built. And I think that we're at this We're at this strange standstill. I don't want to say standstill, but we're at this strange lull in the market right now. It's it's a bear market. And I also say bear market, build market. It's a great time to build. But I think we're, we're realizing we need to, the Web3 space is tiny. It's like a high school room, a cafeteria in contrast to the entire world. Like we're just, if I go on Twitter and I'm talking my my tweets, I'm just talking to other people in the Web3 space. I'm not talking to the world as a whole. So I think that where we stand right now is we need a sort of external outside source of validation and adoption. We need our, and like, you know, companies are doing great things. Nike is is entered the space, Nike with Artifact. Starbucks is, uh, I think, building something with Polygon. You know, there's these rumblings of Amazon entering the space, which is great. But I think that we're, we're we've hit this sort of like um, saturated pocket of we as sort of like the, the original OG individual incubator build have like done as much as we can in a lot of ways. And we need these sort of like gatekeepers who, who, from web to web 2.5 being like, you know what? AMC theaters is going to be like, we airdrop everything to every movie you go to now, because like, that's the future. So for me, I see a world in which when you go to target, you know, upon entering the location, you, there's a, there's an airdropped sort of like geo-specific Coupon or digital collectible or something at that specific location. I think that's sort of the trajectory that we're going to get at. Is is the is the crossover from like media being gamified in this like digital collectible way? But I think it's this sort of double edged sword cadence of the technology is still being like built in real time, so we can't just flip a switch and be like, oh yeah, like this company is just entirely effortlessly aimlessly yeah I'm on the blockchain now and it, it's it's all easy. There's a lot of like. There's a lot of hurdles and there's a lot of pain points like user experience. You know, it's, it's I think onboarding users and folks into Web3 has increasingly gotten easier, but nothing about it is easy. You know, you need to have your friend hold your hand and be like, come walk with me. Let me let me show you what's going on here. This is your seed phrase. Never Like even my mom, she I was minting Ghost Boy, I think, and she like sends me a picture of her seed phrase. And she's like, it's like, is this what I do it with? I'm like, this is <laughs> like this is not good. You know, like uh, this is we got we got a long way to go. So I think it's infrastructure, and I think it's just general the where we are with the technology. I think that I think we have great minds fighting the good fight, but it's sort of like we're figuring it out in real time and and how to ap- apply a lot of these use cases to to brands. That because I am like assuming, imagine the infrastructure is there tomorrow. To me, it's a no brainer that every brand is going to be looking at digital collectibles and the tokenizations of assets and experiences as is the next wave. It's just the net like. It's just obvious to me. It's is like just how back in the day you bought a frosted flake cereal box and they put a they put a CD in there and it was like limited time, whatever, whatever. That was a, a trend that came and went. Except this day and age, everyone's on the computer, everyone's connected, everyone has all these social profiles. These companies have the power to say, Hey, let's take your account that you already have and we'll make you a custodial wallet. And now you can start collecting points or art or tokens that actually give you a discount in our ecosystem. So for me. I think once the structure is there and the infrastructure is there it's going to be this like no-brainer technical like everyone's going to have a wallet and i think obfuscation is a is a big key as well like we right now it's so it's so technically crypto centric and heavy that you have to know exactly what you're doing whereas you know how many friends do you have you say if you said explain to me how the internet works and they just, just start drooling on themselves however these same people are on facebook instagram LinkedIn, Twitter all day. So like they're using the internet, they're living in the internet. That's the metaverse. They're living it, but they don't, they couldn't explain to you, you know, what a a protocol is or what packets are. So I think we're we're at the same, that's how early we are in in web three is like, there's so much potential. And I think once it's tapped, right. I think all these other brands are going to have these aha moment of like, Oh, here's how we perpetuate user retention and reach and rewarding and, and stuff like that, but, we, but we're but we still in this, like, it's not obfuscated yet. It's still just, it's simple. Here, follow this 20-step thing and then reach out to our help support and then good luck not getting scammed on Twitter in the process. Like, you'll figure it out.
1: <laughs> well, Evan, Luza, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story and your insights with us. If people want to discover more about you, What's your preferred social platform? And if they want to check out Alpha Labs business, where do you want to send them?
0: Well, if you're new to Web3, new to Twitter or uh, new to NFTs, crypto Twitter, Twitter is where that's where the conversation happens. And just just head over on Twitter. So I'm at E-V-A-N-L-U-Z-A on uh, Twitter. I'm also on Instagram, but not too much crazy going on over there. And I'm um, also on my website, evanluza.com. If you're interested in chatting, maybe you want some advisory or strategic input on, you know, just, just want to chat about anything. I'm a builder and I'm, I'm happy to collaborate and participate on all sorts of stuff. So Alpha Labs, we're working on incubating and ideating products in Web3 land with Ghost Boy. I'm working on scaling him to the mass markets. I'm, I'm working with the animation studio currently to, to try to get the story out of telling the story of Ghost Boy. But otherwise, just give me a follow on Twitter and, uh, you know, hit the DMs. Evan, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time today. Thank you, Michael. It was good talking to you, my man.
1: Hey, if you missed anything, we took all the notes for you over at socialmediaexaminer.com slash W73. And if you're new to this show, be sure to follow us. And would you let your friends know about this show? I'm at Mike underscore Stelsner on Twitter and at Web3 Examiner on Warpcast. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Web3 Business Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelsner. I'll be back with you next week. I hope you make the best out of your day and may Web3 continue to change your world.
0: The Web3 Business Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. The information provided in the Web3 Business Podcast is provided solely for educational purposes. Do not treat what you hear as investment, trading, or financial advice. Do your own research.
1: If you're like so many fellow marketers and creators and entrepreneurs, you're probably wondering, how do I put... AI to work. Well, be sure to listen to the AI Explored podcast, a new show from Social Media Examiner hosted by yours truly, Michael Stelzner. Again, check out the AI Explored podcast.